Coming up on episode 128, we're trying out a new style of episode. Let's see if we can hurt some feelings. That's next. I'm trapped without in my body. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse IMDL. Very happy to be here tonight for obvious reasons that we'll discover soon. With me, of course, is Evil. The new Unearth is out, Jimmy. Ugh. Evil, wearing the Unearth shirt. Yep. How are you? Uh, dude, <laughs> before we get into this episode's music, mm-hmm. holy fucking shit. So you don't like the new Unearth oh album? Oh my god. I've only lived with it for a week. Mm-hmm. They released four singles. Well, they released three singles leading up to it and then a fourth with the release. So I'd heard three tracks and they were all solid. <laughs> it might be my favorite album of theirs. I'll have to wow. live with it for a while. Like I'm a big fan, but I'm mm-hmm. not like every album that comes out. This is the greatest that they put out. I'm not like that. This one might be. You don't go to YouTube reaction videos and fucking get pissed off at the people that don't love on Earth. No, I don't need other people to love on Earth. Yeah. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Two questions for that. Number one, I mean, Evil, did you even listen to the albums we're supposed to study (laughs) for this week? I did. I did. I did. You only listened to Unearth all week. You you even just told me, hey... I've set it up to where I can listen to the albums right now as we're talking. <laughs> this is a quicker turnaround than we usually get for double album episodes. So it is. I didn't get to live with them as long as I would like to. Thinking about it, I had already started studying for what we were going to do. Right. Yeah. What we were going to do. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Needs more time. Which we're doing later, but yes. <laughs> Especially with some other things with coming out. Events. Yeah. Yes. But New Unearth is good. I think we're probably going to talk about that uh, more this season. I see them. You see them tomorrow. Recording. I see them tomorrow. They added a date. They released their their tour itinerary and fucking Boise wasn't on it. I was pissed. And I like went on Instagram and gave them shit about it. And then they added that. Not that I'm the one that caused that. You did it. Maybe I I turned the dial a little bit. Wow. Yeah. This isn't going to be the last time we talk about them this year. No. Fuck for no. foreshadowing <laughs> actually for many reasons Five foreshadowing shadowing. yeah <laughs> <But> yes <laughs> we're not here tonight to talk about unearth Mm-mm. we are here because this episode is going to come out in june and june has officially been labeled one of our interview months we are going to have at least two interviews happen in june and before our interviews I like to do, when we can, a bit of a warm-up. If there are people that aren't really familiar with the person that we're interviewing, we can talk about their music a little bit, get them acquainted. And I think one of the benefits to this is that I am kind of getting you acquainted with this band. Would you say that's true, or had you listened to them before? We can talk about that. Oh my God, you're just full of surprises, (laughs) you (laughs) <laughs> You're full of surprises. 
I mean, everybody in the world has heard at least one of their songs. Yeah. Because it was the biggest song in the world at a very specific moment in time. Yes. Yeah. It was number one in like eight different countries. Oh, wow. Except for their home country. Yeah. I I actually did see that when I was kind of doing the, the academic part of studying for it. We actually came up with this idea for an episode style a while ago. And essentially what it is, is picking a band that you are in love with and you are trying to show it to somebody else. Since it's pre-interview, we wanted to do a two albums thing, and I got to pick which two albums out of this band's discography, and I will explain why when we get to them. But essentially, we're taking a band, and we're talking about two other albums, something that we do very, very often. We're talking about one of my favorite bands. I've been very vocal about it in the Crash Test Dummies. Yes, most of you know them as that band in the 90s that had the mm-mm-mm song. And a lot of you are probably saying they're a one-hit wonder. And I'm here to tell you that you're dead fucking wrong, <laughs> all of you that think that. This is kind of a, not nerve-wracking, but these episodes that we're going to start doing, you're kind of putting yourself out there. Because oh, yeah. if you if you hate the Crash Just Dummies, this is not that fun for me it might be fun for the <laughs> listeners but not really for me well let me tell you something no <laughs> yeah, i kid that's what we're doing tonight we're talking about the crash test dummies we're talking about two very specific albums we'll get into why we're talking about them later the only other thing before the most important part of the night that i want to do is i want to ask you evil we are a few weeks removed from our metallica reaction video posting (laughs) and out of the six thousand views or whatever it is the like percentage is at about 88 Mm percent but the comments we have gotten trashed on the comments youtube comment it's fucking cancer that's the worst humans on the planet (laughs) comment on youtube that's just how it is it really is you can't put too much stock in the people who go out of their way to like hate comment in the guy that comes to your metallica reaction where you're saying that you think it's not that great and he's got the new metallica label for his profile <laughs> pic yeah maybe he's, he might not be very happy with jesus you. my next verse course revisit on youtube is going to be revisiting that episode I don't think that they need responding to, but I think it would be funny to respond to each and every one of them on the next first chorus. Revisit. <laughs> so I might have to do that. Wow, that's funny. Listen, I fucking love Metallica. I love me some Metallica. Me too. When we did 1986, what was the number one album we picked that year? Fucking Metallica. Yep. Right? With that band, the bar is very high. Very. And one of the reasons I could tell that they were people that didn't listen to the episode is one of the big complaints was this, like, oh, you guys are expecting another Master of Puppets. We never said anything like that. In fact, we no. we talked about specific people in our pod loving Load and Justice for All and even mm-hmm. Sane Anger and, and Ride the Light. There was no, why isn't this Master of Puppets-ish? We all like a ton of different Metallica. Agreed. You silly yeah, kids. Why am I? Who am I talking? None of them are listening to this. What am I even doing? No, fuck no. no. <laughs> I'm amused by the comment. It makes me want to be a fucking pro wrestling heel. Yeah. It makes me want to like lean into it and be like, oh, 
I, so you, you so you like Metallica in 2023? Huh. Your life must fucking suck. <laughs> you know, I just it just makes me want to be my shoes cost more than your house, like Ric Flair. It makes me want to do that kind of, you know. Just keep talking about how that album is not that it's not fucking good, you guys. It it's really isn't. Boring, man. It is a boring album. There's some good shit on it here and there. Yep. First track and Between last track. A whole <laughs> a whole lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. that I just didn't care for. But that's fine. They've released albums that have sucked before and then come back with fucking awesome albums. Yeah. It's Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. We're not like personally attacking them, except for maybe Lars a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we were a little hard you know, on Lars. I think he can deal with it with his mansions and sports cars, and he can deal with it. He's going to be okay. He is built to deal with that kind of shit. Yes. And he'll never have to deal with that kind of shit. No. No, he's fine. <laughs> Evil, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking some scotch. It looks delicious. I'm drinking one of the Glens. Only one, huh? A lesser known Glen. Oh, we might have talked about it before, but I don't know if you've had this one. Okay. I don't think you have. Glen means like river. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's plenty of glens. Uh, Glendronic is what I'm drinking. Can I see? Do you have the bottle? I do. It's right here. It looks like a Scottish. They say it's a Highland. It tastes more like a Speyside. If you like Macallan, which I know you do. I love Macallan. This is like as good or better. For a better price. I was going to say, is it it spendy, cheapy? 60, 70 ish for a bottle. That's a 12 year. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's not bad. But a 12 year at that price, that's a good price. Especially now, like fucking scotch has gone up in price. You know, one of the things that I, okay, so I'm going to get to what I'm drinking and then we will get into a little more about that. I have a couple drinks, but the first drink, I'm not going to say what my other drink is yet because I'm not drinking it yet. But my first drink, this was supposed to be a gin fizz. But do you remember you were making, I don't remember what you were trying to make a while ago, but you ate your eggs before your cocktail making and you didn't have an egg. That's <laughs> Oops. that's what yeah, I went that's through. Typical. So <laughs> I'm drinking a gin fizz without the fizz. But I did make two. I made one that I started with Hendrix. And then I have Beefeater for my next up. So... Mm. And then I've go. got a surprise drink for after the break. What is your gin? If you're going to drink a gin, what's your... Right now it's Hendrix. I really like Tangeray. Really? I do. I really like <laughs> Beefeater. I, you know, yeah. actually, I don't know that I've come across a gin that I really don't like. So I am a, a kind of a gin newbie. I did not like gin. Mm-hmm. Thought it t- tastes like fucking pine salt. <laughs> but you, you're the one that turned me on to Hendrix because you probably yeah. the, the more floral ones, right? Yeah. And my lady loves Hendrix. Like we always have Hendrix. She likes a genitotic with Hendrix. It's the um, best. With the exception I have a of a bottle of. Sorry, go ahead. The section of of what? With What's, the exception of Monkey Forty Seven. Yeah, Monkey. Of course. I mean. It's twice as much as it's a, most it's good gins. Spendy. Have you had the botanist? No, I want to. I see the bottle in the store all the time. I'm like, fuck, I need to get that. I went to a senior graduation party for some clients who are, became friends when I was doing personal training. They had a daughter who I also worked with. She was a soccer player. I was invited to her senior graduation, her high school senior graduation party. The dad, who became a good buddy of mine, mm-hmm. was drinking gin and tonic with the botanist. He's like, you want one? I'm like... And at the time, I was like, fuck, no, I don't want to drink gin. Hate and I, I had it. And I'm like, oh, this is quite tasty, actually. <laughs> it had like fever tree tonic. And, yeah. and I mean, it was a, and the botanist, I'm like, oh shit, I like gin now. And so <laughs> I got started getting into gin cocktails. And so the botanist is 
my number one. I like a lot of gins. I, you know what I've learned? The last few years, I've been very much working with bourbon cocktails, just trying to get yeah. good with bourbon cocktails. And this yeah. is the year I've switched more to gin. You know what I've found is <laughs> how much money I save drinking oh. gin instead of <laughs> fucking whiskey, man. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> God damn. Whiskey's expensive. Yep. It is. It's the aged. It's because it's aged. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I like gin. I'm not that knowledgeable about it yet. In fact, I f- yeah, it was fairly recently I found out that all those gins that are really good right now are from Scotland. Yeah. Botanist. Fucking Scotland, Hendrix. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to move there. <laughs> That's what we're drinking tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking the crash test dummies. I'm excited. I'm excited for so many reasons. This is going to be fun. Let's get into it. After we take a break, we'll be right back. Keep us that way, Hot on the we are back. So, as I said at the beginning, we are going over two albums. The first album that I gave to Evil to listen to is because A, I assumed that he had at least heard one, probably maybe two songs off of it, maybe even more. And two, this is their album. This is their triple platinum, was all over the place. And that album is 1993's God Shuffled His Feet. Evil. Before we get into a little more about the band, your awareness level of the Crash Test Dummies was what coming into this? More than I realized. Oh. So I knew them from Superman song before that because a fucking comic book guy. So of course I like of off their first album, right? Which was like yeah. came out in like ninety one. So and that's when I was mm-hmm. I was in high school. I was pre sold on them <laughs> anyway. And it's a great song. Yeah, and then also. I'm a big fan of Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Peter Pumpkinhead is the ballad. They have XTC cover. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't know was a cover until I started poking into. Yeah. For this. Yeah. Those bookend this album timeline wise. Yep. So going back and listening to this, I knew that I had listened to some of it at some point. Just the first listen through. I'm like, fuck, I know like at least half of this album. Really? Yeah. I think I may have owned this. Like I had a ginormous <laughs> CD collection mm-hmm. in the in the nineties. You know, I signed up for like Columbia House and BMG. Oh, and I, yeah. yeah. So I had shit that I never even listened to. Yeah. I think I may have owned this because they're <laughs> <laughs> If you were doing the BMG thing in the early 90s, yeah. I feel like there's a 90% chance you own this album. Yeah. I had like a Lita Ford album. I had shit that I would... Nice. <laughs> you're right. Yes. I had some like biohazard, like weird shit that I didn't really ever listen to, <laughs> but they, I forgot to send in the little postcard that... Yeah. yeah that's yep. just... But I think I actually liked this album back then. I think I was into it. Men in Black Mind Wipe at some point. I, it, <laughs> Have you ever experienced like going back to your old high school after being there, you know, gone for 15, 20 years? If there are areas that 
have not changed, have not been renovated. You go in and it's kind of uncanny. It feels smaller than yes. you remember it being. It's just everything's kind of a little bit different. That's kind of how the first listen was. It's That's like, how I am every time I go back to Boise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got it. But so it took a little bit to dust the cobwebs off. But once I did, I'm like, fuck yeah, I know this album fairly well. This album did come out in 93 through, as we said, BMG Records, produced by Jerry Harrison and the Dummies. The Dummies' four core members are Michael Dorge on the drums, Ellen Reed, who is an amazing backup vocalist, keyboardist, all that. And then uh, Brad and Dan, the brothers, Mm -hmm. which uh, is something that we've talked about many times. If you have siblings in your band, you're probably doing something right. This album did hit number one in Austria. It hit number one in Finland, Germany, New Zealand, and then very top of the charts in Australia, uh, Europe, Sweden, Switzerland. It was everywhere. It did go double platinum in the States and sold way more in a ton of other countries. It did extremely well and somehow evil in 1993, this quirky folk rockish <laughs> i guess band yeah. is up there with fucking nirvana what right. the fuck uh, uh, <laughs> i don't know man i i don't think i was surprised at the time i fucking loved the superman song i thought it was it's so clever it's so clever the lyrics and so i was like i said i was already pre-sold on them so i think it just felt natural yeah when this album hit and they had all the success. It seemed that, I don't know, it felt right, I guess. But looking back, yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense at all. <laughs> One of the reasons I really wanted you to do this is because I there are aspects of this band and Brad Roberts writing. There are two things that I kind of look for for you now, now that I feel like I'm getting to know you musically a little better. If it's not metal, then I want there to be philosophy but i want it to be not negatively honed Mm -hmm. it's an inquisitive do we know anything type of thing and that's yes kind of this whole album is all about questioning your own mortality and death and but in the quirkiest fucking ways oh my god (laughs) (laughs) sitting down with the lyrics i feel like that's where i wish i had another week with this album to learn a bit more about the band and their history. So to, to kind of flesh out the story around the albums that we're talking about mm-hmm. tonight. And then to really dig into the lyrics a bit more. They're so fucking quirky. Yes. You know, I like to l- listen to the music that we are really studying for in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. So like on a walk, I'll sit down and listen more deliberately. And then I like to sit down and listen with the lyrics out like at least one time through. And I felt rushed doing that for this session. I yeah. wish I had a little more relaxed time to deal with the lyrics because Jesus Christ, man, his brain is, he, <laughs> yeah. he think, he's in left field, man. It's, it is. And it's it, so, it's so simple, but that's he, what makes it so complex is the simplicity of the questions are somehow leading to these insanely grand questions. Yeah. Yeah. They're very deep thoughts. Evil. I have a question. Yeah. If your eye gets poked out in this life, will it be waiting up in heaven with your wife? <laughs> with your wife? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Dude. That's and, like the and... seventh line of the album. <laughs> yeah. 
there's more to it than just the word content. It's his delivery too. Cause he's his voice. Yes. Number one, his yes. voice is a peculiar thing. It's yes. It's <laughs> it so is, unique. And then the cadence in which he sings mm-hmm. is, it's not the same as Christopher Walken, but it's got a, this weird <laughs> jerky stop start timing that you can't predict. If you're trying to impersonate him, you better be really good at it. You better be ready. <laughs> yeah. Right. You better be good. It, yeah <laughs> see that's terrible that's so bad that's kind of the fun of it though yeah <laughs> if you try to impersonate brad roberts singing you better have it man and it's so i love we've talked about this before i love end of one artists like there's nobody like him no nobody no, like no, no, him. No, no and i have it on good authority he didn't really like his voice yes while he I, was first yeah. starting music he was trying to get somebody else to sing because he just didn't have faith that his mm-hmm. voice would do well. well. His he, register he, is, is so unique. Like, yes. It absolutely. <laughs> you don't hear is. many like rock. When he grew up in the 80s, he didn't grow up. He was doing music in the 80s when everybody sure, else sure. was screaming in their spandex. Right. And he, he was a fan of Kiss. He was yeah. a big Kiss fan, fan yeah. of Stones, you know, and his register just isn't even fucking close to what those other... <laughs> No. To like the bands that he's listening to and what he, he was into. So I watched a performance that he did on Conan back in the day. Oh, cool. And they're doing, of course. And he's very serious. And and right before it cuts away from him, he like winks at the crowd. And, and so you can see like this, this twinkle in his eye. <laughs> There's almost like a character he's playing a little bit. At that point... He had leaned into it somewhat. It's fucking awesome. I fucking love it. It's great. I like I said, I love the individuals that no one else is like them, and they're doing their own thing, man. It's like Sesame Street. Yeah. He's up in the corner. Everyone else is dribbling a basketball. Everyone else is jumping rope. <laughs> to have Ellen Reed in the band too. Yes. With that that beautiful lighter voice, mm-hmm. being in a band like that with a voice like that, I would have never thought to have your backup lyricist be this kind of beautiful light female voice. Yeah. And it works so fucking well. Yep. And her keys too. Like they play oh, yeah, off. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. We are, maybe you a little more than me, at an age where you kind of start thinking about some of this sort of shit. Where you start thinking about there's afternoons and coffee spoons. There's here I stand before me on here. A lot about your own mortality. And well, I'm starting to think more about how the fuck my body has been doing Mm -hmm. this for so long. And when is it going to stop doing it? Yeah. I honestly don't think about shit like that ever. Do you? I... Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Being like a a physical creature, meaning like strength coach, a lot of focus on health and wellness and longevity. I thought I had kind of thought through a lot of that. I'm not saying like I had my shit sorted out when I was in my 20s, but I've always had kind of a, like you said, a lighter philosophical bent on things and viewpoint on things. But I tell you what, as your body starts aging (laughs) and it's harder to do shit and it takes longer to recover, you can't not think about what's coming, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) what's going to look like because we all die. We all fucking croak at some point. And I think I've dealt with that, but it's like, what happens between now and then? And, And my lady who works in healthcare 
first part of her career was a social worker and worked in hospice care. And so she has some really, we've yeah. had some interesting conversations about like the end of life and how it's like this deeply meaningful spiritual thing that we all go through and we all have to. I mean, there's, yep. and I think it's better to put the work in early, start wrapping your mind around that end point than waiting to the end and be dragged out, kicking and screaming, you know? I completely agree. I've never done it, <laughs> but I just, I think that's just, I've definitely thought a lot on how I'm getting older and yeah, how yeah. things, shit just, but I just get bummed. I'm just like, oh man, why can't I <laughs> eat whatever I want anymore? Why does this one part on my foot just hurt now for the rest of my life? And You know what I mean? And yeah. he has such a great way of putting things in. Times when the day is like a blade by It's just so well put. Yeah. It's funny because it's these deep philosophical thoughts that you can't help but feeling, even though it doesn't fucking matter. Because like you said, we're all just going to (laughs) die. Yeah. There is an end point, (laughs) you know? I feel like it's very easy to find some kind of depression in that. But the reality is without a start and an end, you really can't respect glean meaningfulness yes. out of out of the experience. Yes. If you accept that, then you can lean into the meaning and live life more fully, I think, personally. That's that's my viewpoint on it. I completely agree. And as somebody I'm not trying to turn this into a a religious thing. But, you know, I grew up in a place much like you did that was very, very specific types of fairly hardcore Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I am not that. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I always faced was, well, then where do you get your morals from? And, and what's even the point? And it wasn't until I found Ricky Gervais's Mm -hmm. talking. He so eloquently puts that wouldn't I, someone who believes that when that's it, that's it. Wouldn't I have even more reason to make now count more than anything ever could? Sure. Because that this is all there is. This is it. It's funny because he's, he's such an asshole, but he's so (laughs) not an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) <clears throat> this is this is very deep and philosophical, but uh, well, we can't. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> someone out there might need to hear this. They might need to hear us like working through these things. I'm a fucking weirdo. I, I, I read philosophy and anyone who says, oh, I know that there's nothing after this. I'm like, do you? Do you really? <laughs> no, you don't. You fucking don't know. You could be right. You don't know yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. And neither does the person with some book written thousands of years ago. They don't fucking know either. Mm. None of us know. Yes. But we can all try to live a good life. Yeah. Be excellent to each other. Fucking Bill and Ted, man. That's, that's my <laughs> motto. Party on. Evil, you're a outdoorsy kind of guy. There's also a, a fairly big nature-esque feel to this album to me. There's, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of, well, I mean, there's in the days of the caveman, which is literally about <laughs> camping. 
Right. Which is... Fucking love that. Yeah. Yes. yes. I don't know. There's just something so fucking visceral. Something so way of thinking. I wish that I did more. Mm. Coming from this period of time, late 80s, early, mid 90s, people were bored. There wasn't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there wasn't some glowing thing to just fucking entertain us all the fucking time. Yes. So you had to learn how to play with your thoughts and your mind. Yes. These kind of lyrics, they don't happen as often as they used to because people are constantly entertained. Mm-hmm. I'm not a nutritionist. I have no expertise in that field, but I kind of know some stuff that works for me and stuff I've seen work in others. Eat good foods. Don't eat all the fucking time. Let yeah. your body be hungry and get into that cycle every now and then. I think our brains need that too. Our brains need to be hungry. They need to be bored so you can learn how to deal with mm. it. And these are the kind of thoughts that are possible if you allow yourself to be bored and then learn how to cope and deal with that by playing in the realm of thought. That's good for Many people that listen to this that I'm sure are into music and that's a really good thing to think on as a writer. As any creative, any artist. Yes. Another reason that I thought you'd like this, there are certain songs on here that I just feel like have an evil type of... There are two specific songs to, that stick out. And you don't have to say, because we don't have to find out if they're on your... Oh, shit. We didn't even... We have to guess I, what each other's I favorite know. songs Does are. Does it make this. sense for this, though? I mean... No, but we're still going to do it. Okay. I, I picked some. <laughs> what I was talking about are... There are two specific songs. A, I know that Evil's a, a nerd. And he just... <laughs> he is the type... <laughs> That would like a story about knights and maidens. So knights and maidens. But the one that I went with, because it just seems like something that he would have heard and enjoyed the whole stance of it is when I go out with artists. Uh. That's not to mention the fact that it talks about both Glenn Levitt and Glenn Fitch in that song. That's what I picked for you without, (laughs) I have zero fucking, I mean, it could be any one of these songs, honestly. It absolutely could. It's lyrically clever. It's the scotch. So that's what I picked for you as well. The only thing that we haven't done yet is we haven't, we haven't really talked about the musicality at all. Mm, Jesus Um, Christ. Yeah. So this is an incredibly well-produced album. Yes. Yes. Uh, Everything is so tight. Very crisp, crisp production. Yes. And Mm -hmm. this is actually a style that I would, for me, typically, it's a little overproduced for me, but Mm -hmm. there's something Mm -hmm. about it here that I just, I fucking love. Every bass line, every, every snare hit is so well done. And yeah, I heard you make that sound. Dude, Dan Roberts has Dan Roberts is fantastic bass lines. Not knowing a lot about this band. Here's, here's why I need your help. So I tried to look him up, like Dan Roberts' bass, because I'm like, he's got to be like every bass player's one of their top five. You know, you know maybe not top five. But he's <laughs> no, got to be like on the radar for bass players because what the fuck? I could like, I could, A, there's, there's many Dan Roberts out there and mm-hmm. he is but one of them. But <laughs> I, I expected there to be all kinds of love. Yeah, because no. Because there are moments where, he reminds me of DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. There, there's moments mm-hmm. where he reminds me of Tony Levin. There's moments yep. where he reminds me of 
we just talked about Cynic, uh, Sean Reinert from Cynic. There's like some tonal things that he does that like, it's, he, he, it's so bright and prominent uh, and y- yes. And yet t- like he's not overplaying at all. He's playing no. within the context of the songs and tastefully deep within the pocket. Uh, he doesn't do anything yeah. crazy. He wasn't even their original bass player. Their original bass player left and Brad was just like, Hey brother, will you please just be in my band? And that's how it fucking happened. And Jesus Christ. Yeah. What, what does Sven think about these guys? No idea. I, well, I know that he likes that. I know that he liked them way back in the day because actually fun little thing about crash test dummies is when I was in a band way, way back in the day and we actually gigged, not our warm up, but like going quote unquote backstage or whatever and and just getting mm-hmm. loose and having you know seven beers before we go on <laughs> we would we would put this album on nice and, and listen it was just our like pre so I know oh, that I, he liked them yeah, back then yeah. i don't I doubt he listens to them much now. When did you become a fan as they were actually charting and releasing albums yes. or later okay the okay. song that gotcha. Heard that, loved it. So my uncle and my mom were really, really close at this time. And we would hang out a lot. And for like a summer, this was our in the truck driving up camping album. Okay. I would just bug the shit out of them to just play this over and over and over. And it wasn't until probably a a little bit later in life uh, when I had my own money that I found out that, holy shit, these guys have four albums Mm -hmm. at this point. And that's when I got way into them. Got it. So was this, since you were 18, 17, was this a little, maybe a little too soft for you? Were you a little too folky, maybe? I was not a metalhead yet. So not necessarily. Like I was, I, you know, I was into Metallica and Megadeth. And so I was into heavier music, but I was a big Stone Temple Pilots fan. I was into Tool and Rage and stuff. My tastes were all over the place. They were a bit lighter than they are now, we'll say. God shuffled his feet. If you want some philosophy, if you want <laughs> extremely tight music, I think it's a great mixture of folk and rock with yeah. just the quirkiest fucking songs. <laughs> Dude, fuck. You know, <laughs> let's get into awards and categories. We'll have more to say there. Let us. Yes. The David Crosby Met Award for yeah. Amazon Bad Reviews. <laughs> oh, okay. This is You Know Who, who left this review in 2003, so a decade later. The title of it is, If You Know Ben, You Will Not Appreciate It. And appreciate is spelt wrong. Okay, I don't know much about Crash Test Dummies. I saw them on One Hit Wonders on VH1. The funny thing is that there's no periods in this at all. The funny thing is that their music is so drony. Is that a word? I was half on the computer and half listening to this program, and that song made me turn my head because it sounded so angstful and sounded like a person on Crack's lullaby. I had this boyfriend named Ben, and he had absolutely no skills or talent, but he wanted to be a starving artist type, so he decided to play the same chord over and over and play a Pearl Jam-like deal. <laughs> <laughs> There were a lot of the, bins back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing is, it sucked and sounded just like these guys. If you try to imitate these guys, you will realize that you can sing this way too. But I give them props because they did absolutely nothing and made some money. I guess Ben will have to wait for people like you to recognize his talentless and buy his album. Oh, he's talentless is probably what 
she was trying to say, but it's his talentless and buy his album so he can go by Legos. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> uh, that's a good review. Good job. Uh, you know who? Good luck with Ben. I wonder, I wonder what Ben's up to today. <clears throat> the DMX award. Evil, what makes this project unique? Uh, that voice, number one, the quirkiness, yep. subtly interesting songwriting, but the voice, I mean, his voice is what it, immediately distinguishable. And I will say again that the fact that this came out in 93, mm-hmm. this is not the voice. It was Nick Cave and that's <laughs> it, which leads us to the Mark Lanigan True Rockstar Award. And that's mine is when you, you have this style, this folk rock quirkiness and you're saying fuck it we're not gonna change anything this is who we are here it is it's good so love it that's fucking rock star man yeah yeah it is just be who you are and maybe part of that comes from being from winnipeg and being canadian like they're just yeah it's in their blood by the way winnipeg did not like the song But then it got massive in the States. Yeah. And then Canada was like, oh shit, do you have other songs that you can like, (laughs) we can get on the charts here? Right. (laughs) Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I mean, in its time, it was massive. It was huge. Yeah. Currently, uh, this is a hard one, right? I feel like it is, like I said, Men in Black, Mind Wipe. Like I kind of forgot about it. So I don't think people look back at it except for maybe you know who and Ben uh, in a in a bad light. But <laughs> I had forgotten about it. It's it's sort of one of the one of history's mysteries for me. I think Brad Roberts got labeled as the mm-mm guy. Mm-hmm. I think this band got labeled as the mm-mm band. Yeah, and I think that song got labeled as this annoying one hit wonder. And uh, I I think that's so wrong yeah. on so many levels. Me too, because. Fucking, I remember Superman song. In my memory, that song ranks above. Mm-mm-mm. And I th- mm. and maybe that's just because of my personal tastes. Influences and influencees. Mm. You know, uh, Evil said it. Oh, it's kind of some surprising ones. I have things to say. Like, I hear, oh, I like it. I hear REM, mm-hmm. Crowded House. I hear a lot of oh, 80s guitar. Good, good. I hear Crowded House. B52's nice. guitar. Yes. I hear, yeah. I hear the Talking Heads. I hear a little bit of Beach Boys. Bear with me. Wow. I hear some Jimmy Cliff. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next album too. Um, there is a guitar style that I can't fucking place. It's very spaghetti Western sounding. Like I said, I can't. Almost like a more genuine Chris Isaac-ish yes. kind of. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Influencees, a band that when you're a fucking hammer, everything looks like a nail. Uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. I know I bring them up all the time, but I, I hear a bunch of that particular guitar sound in later music that the Peacemakers made. There's gotta be something going on there. Cause they're also very singer songwriter, unique storytelling, quirky yeah. lyrics. Like I think Roger Klein had to have been a fan. You kicked my ass on that one. Cause I have, I feel like there's gotta be the, the big time Canadian, mm-hmm. particularly Canadian mm-hmm. songwriters like Bruce Coburn and, you know, sure. and, and then like, like Leonard Cohen, Yeah, you know, I said, Nick Cave, and stealing this right from Brad's mouth in many interviews, he's a massive XTC fan. Yeah, he loves yeah. XTC. Yeah, I did see that. And XTC is the same. This very deep, sometimes negative philosophically, but it doesn't come off as negative. Mm-hmm. 
songs like Dear God or Peter Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Peter Pumpkinhead is a very obvious, very dark fucking look at society. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think because of the, what movie it was attached to for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little tongue in cheek, but. <laughs> also uh, that music video, you know what I was going to, man. Ellen, I had the biggest crush on Ellen Reed. Holy crap. <laughs> what was the other one that I, oh, They Might Be Giants was the other one that yes, I was thinking. Very good. Good pull. Yep. Never mind the Bullocks Award. Is this the band's best album? Evil, I'm guessing that you've probably only heard three at this point. Yeah. But I would say yes, just kind of going off of general consensus and the success it had. I don't know if it's my favorite or not, but I think it's definitely their best. Yeah. I Because I fair. just think that every song is just a punching as high as it can. Yeah. John Paul Jones Award. Evil. What what would you do on this one? Well, they, they fucking kind of did it. I mean, Adrian Ballou from King Crimson was on this album. Right? So, I mean, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> how fucking how you, cool is that right so <laughs> when i saw that i'm like well the, they they beat me to the punch <laughs> they there. did it um <laughs> I, I wouldn't touch a thing. I have an easy answer that I'm going to use for the next one. But yeah, okay. I'm not for this one. I'm saying I'm not fucking touching anything. Yeah. The no, dude, seriously award. <laughs> this is fucking cliche, but it is because that song was huge for reasons. Looking back, maybe it's, it is cliche to us because yeah, fuck it's the, that was the label that got slapped on the band, but it's a fucking great song. Let's talk about the lyrics to that song. The video is quirky and even he's kind of making the silly facial expressions and stuff. Yeah. But if you really get into the philosophy of the lyrics, if you really break down all three of the verses, it's fucking deep, dude. Very deep. I, I watched a, several interviews and podcasts with Brad. The verse about um, the girl with the birthmarks all birth over. Marks. Yeah, yeah. That was actually kind of autobiographical. So he has a birthmark in what he, he said the doctor when he was younger called it his bathing suit area. So somewhere <laughs> on his back, somewhere above his butt, somewhere, you know. That's why not what I know is the bathing suit area. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> These are Canadian doctors. Yeah, Canadian manners. <laughs> I get it. Right. So some girl comes up to him who he's, when he saw her coming up to him, he was like, oh, because she literally was covered in birthmarks. And she's like, I just wanted to say thank you for that song because when I was a little girl, I thought you wrote a song about me. And he was just like, you know, <laughs> I thought that was fucking awesome and poignant. Who yeah. knows what? Yeah. As I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, for such a long time in my life, I listened to this song and I knew exactly what it meant. Mm. And, you know, like the the last verse about the kid that it, he'd just always gone to his church, yeah. stands back and he realizes that what they're doing is fucking weird. <laughs> couldn't quite and explain he's like, it. I've just gone there my whole life. Yep. And I've always known exactly what this song means until I got a little older. Mm. And then you realize that, you know, you don't know, like you kind of said earlier, you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. You don't know anything. How presumptive and egotistical of us to think that we know what someone else meant, right. even if it's just, obviously we have an idea, but you know, as you get older, the only thing you learn is that you don't know anything, right? <laughs> That's for damn sure. I said the very first song. I said, God mm -hmm. shuffled his feet is the yeah. one. If you, if you show somebody, they're either going to get it or they're not right away. Mm -hmm. The quirky little, okay. It's so stupid, but the gathered up some people he had made 
created blankets mm-hmm. and laid in the shade. <laughs> like just God's bored. He wants to rest. So he just creates blankets. It's such a stupid little thing, but I mentioned Christopher Walken <laughs> analogy to his like delivery and cadence. There's a comedic timing delivery as well. That reminds me of fucking Norm Macdonald. Oh, but there's yes. like, I hear that in the delivery all over the music. Yeah. But in that song in particular. Evil, when your eye gets poked out in this life. <laughs> <laughs> the John Popper Award for Best Hook. I think that this album is great hooks on every single song. I think the choruses are all hooky as shit. The chorus to When I Go Out With Artists. The mm-hmm. If I Could See, If I Could See towards the end when he's mm-hmm. singing a little bit higher it's just yeah. i fucking love it oh you're it. right seeing the shapes of my body leftover parts monkeys monkeys it's that it's that fucking it's the same delivery there's something yes. so tongue in cheek funny about that yeah I found that in my head more than almost anything else listening to these two albums. And it's just, I smile. Oh, God. (laughs) John Prine, Best Lyric Award. Uh, Evil, what do you got? The people sat waiting out on their blankets in the garden, but God said nothing. So someone asked him, I beg your pardon. I'm not quite clear what what you just spoke. Was that a parable or a very subtle joke? And God shuffled his feet. Yeah. That's so fucking good, dude. I could have picked so many. My so my John and this will lead into the Eddie Van Halen Award because my John Prine Best mm. Lyric and Eddie Van Halen Award are the same, and Ooh. it is the run that is kind of a little bit out of left field in How Does a Duck Know mm. when they completely change and he says Satan lives here on grain and earth, rain and air. It's this total change in the song. With these amazing backup vocals, it's so fucking awesome. What about you for the Eddie Van Halen Award? This is, might be slightly surprising, the harmonica on Afternoons and Coffee Spoons. I'm so glad that you, I was, I was hoping that the harmonica would be on there. Quotations I said, and, but really it's the bass playing across the whole album. But it's the fucking, that harmonica is awesome. Are you a Blues Traveler fan? My biggest holy grail record is four by blues traveler Mm. it's impossible to get but i fucking love blues traveler there has not been harmonica in popular music since this era blues this and blues. very true harmonica is fucking awesome i don't care what you say no it is it's awesome yeah uh the surfer rosa award i love the flow i do think this is an extremely 90s album setup the Mm. hits number Mm -hmm. three the radio yeah. friendly. You know what this is? This is a Surfer Rosa setup completely. All the super poppy stuff right up top. And then the real quirky, this is us really mm. towards the end. I think it's solid. I really do. I don't, there's not really a bad song on the album. It flows well. Some of my more favorite stuff comes towards the end. There's one song that I was like, meh, but that, and, but well, we, we can get, get to that, that right now. We'll talk about that. What's it's the closer. I mean, the album. The, oh, the, the untitled. untitled instrumental. Okay. It's not terrible. I didn't think it was like awful. But, but keep it just in mind, didn't... Evil, this is the early 90s when Enya was massive. Yeah. 
Okay, I have a question. This was probably an album that was sculpted to be on a CD. Yes. Was there like a pause between the real last track I, and this if one? If I remember correctly, and I might not, I think that the Untitled was a secret track. Then it works. God, that's... For those of you who didn't live in the era <laughs> yeah. of CDs, there would be hidden tracks that you just had to wait <laughs> for seconds maybe even minutes yeah. later yeah why is the last track 17 minutes some hidden bullshit that oh they man to i'm having flashbacks now of yep, yep. i'm smelling yep. incense in my room as a kid <laughs> <laughs> for me this is a ridiculous question because i absolutely love every song in here mm. but if i'm forced gun to my head i get i would say swimming in your ocean is my least favorite of these mm. i still love it I still think it's amazing. It just doesn't follow me the way that the other songs follow me. I'm not enough of a romantic, I don't think. (laughs) But now we get to the fun question. Evil, what are your three favorite songs on this album? This is so arbitrary because with more time, this could change fundamentally. That's okay. Number three, I think I'll disappear now. Okay. We haven't even talked about that yet. Uh, It's a great fucking great song. Number two, opening, title track of the album, God Shuffled His Feet. It's a pretty good song. And number one, we talked about this, and part of it is the line that you mentioned. It's How Does a Duck Know? That's your favorite. Which, it's fucking Mellencamp's Jack and Diane meets Peter Gabriel. <laughs> the bass playing sounds like Tony Levin. It does. And it, I love that track. It's so stupid and clever yep. at the same time. Well, you race comes back your It's fucking crazy. Oh, that makes me happy. God, that is that yep. is very Tony Levin. You're right there. God, that's... Oh, the bass? Yeah, yes. I never put the Peter Gabriel together. That's true. Mm-hmm. My third favorite is... I mean, the, this is ridiculous for me as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. my third favorite is Two Nights and Maidens. The progress of the chord progression is amazing. I just love the story of it. And I don't really know what's going on. Are the Maidens getting them high so that they go get fucking killed by a tiger. Uh, what, what is going on in this song? Really? Um, yeah. yeah. Number two is when I go out with artists. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I was close. I fucking love that song. I love everything yeah. about yeah. it. I knew you would like that yes. song. I knew you would like yes, that song. Of course. If I were David Byrne, I'd go to galleries <laughs> and not be too concerned. That's so good. He's clearly a talking heads. Fan. <laughs> yeah. My number one, and goes back to the harmonica because there's mm. this kind of hidden chunking harmonica within the song, but my number one, and I think it might be my favorite breakup song of all time, and it's I Think I'll Disappear Now. Yeah, that's a. It was my number three. It's, the harmonica is underrated on this whole album. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Evil. Who won the album? You did. DL won this album. I won the shit out of this album. <laughs> I said people in the early '90s that wanted something completely different. Ugh. 
And right. uh, also right. me. I did win this album. It's true. Which leads us to rating mm. this album. I'll let Evil go first. Evil, what what would you give this album? I'm going to fully admit that this is probably inflated. This is the... the... <laughs> The friends this, package here. The, the friend, the friend rating. But like I said, I knew easily half of this album. I was like, this is, it's not just sort of familiar. It's like, I fucking, I think I had this album. Like I said, this is probably inflated, but I'm giving it a nine. That's not inflated. I know. It's well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> I'll listen to it from here on out. Big, big fucking shocker here, ladies and gentlemen. But yes, God shuffled his feet is going on the 10 out of 10 wall. DL gives it 10 out of 10 parables. This album is probably top five all time for me. It's fucking amazing. I love it. I think it's perfect. Everybody go buy it right now. Yeah. That's it. That's God shuffled his feet. And now I get to drink my <laughs> scotch Ooh. that I have since we just talked about a 10 out of 10 album. So I get Yours to- Yours is a bit older than mine. I get to drink my Glenn Fittich 21. It is a Grand Reserva. So it was a rum cask finish. Oh, I bet that's delicious. It is. It's very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about another Crash Test Dummies album. We'll be right back. This should go a little faster. Maybe. <laughs> All right, we are back. We've got one more album to go over, and it is the third album of the Crash Test Dummies, the one that came out in 1996, A Worm's Life. Also BMG, produced by Brad, Dan, and Mitch. Just some Crash Test Dummies making an album. I will explain now the reason that I picked this one. Yes, please do. So... What I decided geared towards you, I already talked about the philosophy and I already talked about the kind of the positive spin on, not even positive, just a a more appreciative feel. Mm -hmm. There's something about this album particularly that is a little bit old school country ballad. Yeah. Like oh, a yeah. Like your gunslinger album. It's a little bit uh <laughs> oh it's kind God. of true country in a couple of ways. Get out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> Yeah. Well, I picked that up. I picked up those waves that you were sending out to me. I'm imagining that you had never heard anything from this. Nothing. This is all fresh for me. Obviously, this was the follow-up to their massively successful album. Uh, God shuffled his feet. This was not successful. Uh, I, I sh- sorry. This was not as successful as they wanted it to be. This did sell a lot. It did really well in Canada. It did well in the United States, but nothing compared to their last album. Evil, give me some first impressions on A Worm's Life. I'm going to ask <laughs> you this question, then after you answer, then give me. But if you had to very quickly explain to somebody the album A Worm's Life, what would you say to them? I would say that you will get out of this album what you put into it. Ooh. It is a hard listen at first. It's like acquiring the taste for Campari. <laughs> like you take a drink and you're like, fuck this. <laughs> no. But people say that this is good. People I trust <laughs> tell me that this is good. 
And so you try it again. You're like, they're fucking stupid. <laughs> and then, but you keep coming back to it because suddenly an interest forms in those initial experiences. And you're like, I got to try this again. And then it grows on you. Yeah. And so if you do the work, it's there. And then it becomes something that you kind of crave a little bit. I like that. Yeah. If this is the story of evil getting to know this album, what was the the third listener or whatever? What was the part that you're like, wait a minute, there's something here? It exists very much in this yin and yang sort of relationship with the previous album. God shuffled his feet is catchy. It's immediate. It's shiny. It's like easy to listen to. This is thematically, it's very like metaphysical, it's dealing with religion yes. and deep philosophical thoughts. This is like worldly realism. It's fucking hard to get into. The music goes in directions that you're like, this isn't where it should go. Yes. It's challenging. Mm -hmm. Most people, this will bounce off of. They'll be like, what the fuck is this? And that's, I think, very present in the reviews from the time, which are terrible. Like yes. This got just panned by reviewers. It absolutely did. The musicality is off the charts. The bass playing is even better on this album than it yep. was on the previous. Complex. It incorporates many musical styles. Mm -hmm. it's rewarding, but you have to do the work. And so when I realized that these two albums are like diametrically opposed, maybe on purpose, I was like, fuck yes, I'm in, sign me up. I love I'm, I'm on this ride. So before we get more into the specific tracks, we got to guess each other's favorite mm. song. Mm. Uh, mm. We were both wrong, but close on the last one. Evil, I will go first. Christ. And I really tried to play on the... I figured by the time you were listening to this album, you would be full philosophy mode. And I feel <laughs> like the song All of This Ugly is just kind of right up your philosophical mm. aisle. But I have no fucking clue. Dude. Uh... I'll tell you something. Okay. That will probably just make this harder for you. <laughs> okay. My favorite Crash Test Dummy song is on this album. No. Oh, yep. fuck you. <laughs> uh, this is so hard because my favorite changed throughout the listen so many times. I'm going to say the title track, A Worm's Life. That's a good guess. Mm. They're, all, they're all good guesses. This album, I think that... Whereas God Shuffled His Feet was this very polished, very, this is going to be our massive album. Mm -hmm. Crasta Stummies had the name now. The label was going to let them do whatever the fuck they want. Because <laughs> if you're a label and you're like, wait a minute, God Shuffled His Feet sold how many? This folk album in 93? Right. You guys do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And they did this, which was super raw. <laughs> yeah, they did they, this. they produced it all themselves. It didn't do well. It didn't, which is like you said, uh, look, the first song overachievers, the word of the day is quirky. Mm -hmm. It's quirky as fuck. It's this four, four kind of starts you into that crash dead of stummies thing. But then all of a sudden there's this chunky like, electric, jarring, insane time signature. Oh, I know. That immediately caught my attention. I'm like, what? Okay. I am not. <laughs> so different. Yes. Yeah. I have signed up. Let me see what's going on here. That's, that's hardcore shit. That's like for them. I mean, yeah. 
and I mean, the lyrics are, it's a similar style, yes, but the vibe yes. is very different. <laughs> Very different. Overachievers is a is a song that's really more about he's moved on to questioning yes. people instead of what existence that's is. Spot on. That is what I kind of to answer your previous question. That was kind of like the oh we heard this one side of things. Now we're we're down on planet Earth again, and we're dealing with the nitty yeah. gritty. Yes, that's so well put. We're now dealing with the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with the the woman that devotes her entire life to Jesus Christ. And he's like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Here's your beard. <laughs> Here's your beard. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, wait, <laughs> this is my, okay. <laughs> like there's just, it's, <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's a major song and we're talking about it and that's hilarious, but there's something dark about it. Oh, so dark. Right. That break, that really jarring, chunky guitar part builds so much tension into the song. Yes. Ugh. This album is, once again, it's Brad, Ellen, Dan, and Mitch. There's mm-hmm. Ben, again, is helping with the harmonica. I would say the front of it is a little more rock, where the back of it is a little more... Country. Country poetry kind of, yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. I want to give Murray Pulver some props. I'm guessing that he does some of that country guitar. I don't know if it's steel guitar or slide or I, what, but I think fuck, it's, man. <laughs> I, I think it's steel guitar. Dude. I want to start with the light. I don't think there's that much on this. There is something so warm. I love the feel of our driver gestures. Mm. of a song about this old school. It seems like it's meant to be Europe. Yeah. Where yeah. they, they hire a driver and they, I mean, I guess it could be Canada, but it just feels more European. First off, nobody travels like that anymore. That's no. not a thing. No. You don't hire a driver and go through and have to go stop and go to customs and all that stuff. There's just something so great and innocent about it that I absolutely love. It's wistful. It's got like a... Wistful, that's Like good. an ethereal feel to it. Tons of mortality in here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot it's a lot more he's become obsessed with inanimate objects. Very much. <laughs> yeah, that's a good observation. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about trying to find beauty in, in you know, you see a, an animal carcass and you mm-hmm. have to think, wait, that's not gross. That's compost. That's food for worms. And I'm outlived by that thing. He's just naming off like a fucking paperweight. Like that that stupid fucking paperweight is going to be here for so much longer than me. And every time a border comes, we go inside and meet with someone. Perhaps a form will need to be filled in and then we can go and restart up the engines. It's so like mundane. Right? <laughs> we played up in the clouds and now we're just down here. In Filling the, out a form. In the dirt. Living real life. When you went down under and we were tooling farmers, we brought some pigs in from the old country. But pigs eat turtle eggs and turtles eating jellyfish. And now you get stung if you're swimming in the seas. A job of churches out beyond the bar. You had, you had mentioned A Worm's Life, and I yeah. do think that that's like the first time where you do really start to hear his his kind of cowboy poetry yes. thing. Yes. There's more to that song because it definitely starts with that kind of twangy cowboy poetry feel. That's a good... But the chord changes are left turn. It's not jazzy, but it is in a way. It's like... 
their chord choices and the chord progressions on this whole album are shocking sometimes. I'll play it now, but the part where the plucked up from the wet sand and dropped in tequila. Yeah, I love it. And it's, just, it's just this non-resolution. <laughs> then I was plucked from the wet slime and dropped in tequila. There's not that many just straight up major bangers that there are in God Shovel to Speak. This is a much more difficult listen. It's fucking challenging, man. This is really generalizing people and probably our (laughs) listeners, but I'm going to do it because it's what I do and I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, God Shovel to Speak, I feel, is broadly applicable. Most people can listen to that. It's very approachable. Yes. Yes. I feel like you need to be either really into music or a musician to really appreciate this album. You have to cultivate a musical palette to like this album. Especially if you're comparing this to the pop their bangers. first two albums. Because <laughs> oh, their fuck, first yeah, album yeah. is is I love both their first albums, but yeah, the first album is very, very folk. Mm-hmm. You get towards the end and you've got an old scab and my own sunrise and swatting <laughs> flies. He has two songs on this. How does this happen? How do you write a song that's smart that is literally about how you have nothing left to write about? about? Writer's block. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that there are reasons where you could say that this is some of the songs sound a, a little bit similar to each other and Ah, the okay. I'm gonna push back there a little bit. They do until you really listen to them, and then there are complexities and layers beneath that that they suddenly are not the same thing. It's both an acquired taste, and you need a cultivated musical palette to really appreciate this. I think. And all you fucking Metallica commenters calling us music snobs, it's because we are. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. your seventy-two seasons. Uh, <laughs> Um. <laughs> it's because we're better than you let's go into awards and categories and uh we're nice. going to talk more about these songs so uh, the, i can't wait for the the crosby <laughs> the david one. crosby met award yeah there there were a couple of really <laughs> bad ones there were a couple yeah. of yeah but they're just this fucking, album was, was not liked by people this is blake in 2013 it probably won't grow on you and I'm, i this is so perfect for what you have said as much as you wish it would how on earth crash test dummies could follow up god shelf at his feet with this cd is absolutely beyond me it's almost as if they tried to make the most uncatchy album they possibly could <laughs> <laughs> Literally every track could serve as a funeral dirge. I've tried so many times to give this album a fair chance, but I can honestly say that it will probably never grow on me. You can't dance to it. You can't sing to it. You can't make love to it. You can't protest to it. What is it for? (laughs) At least the band went back to their roots with the music they released after this album, but to say that they lost their way would be, as they put it in the song Overachievers, putting it mildly. (laughs) First off, they absolutely did not go back to their roots in their next album. Their next album is Keep a Lid on Things, and it's this electro funk parts and a lot of like synth drum. Like 
their next album is nothing like God Shelfed His Feet. So I don't know mm-hmm. what the hell he's listening to. That's such a perfect... Right. That's the person you're talking about. It's just wonderful. Uh, so, <laughs> Evil, the DMX Award, what do you got? For God Shuffled His Feet, I wrote voice plus quirk. Here, I put voice plus quirk plus interesting chord changes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's who the fuck else was coming out with anything anywhere near this. Mm. This is an album that DMX Award was made for. This is as unique as it can possibly get. Oh, 100%. In terms of like musical timeline, 96 is an interesting year. So grunge is over at this point. Their first album came out in like the height of grunge. And then that shit's that's gone Yeah, at this point. We talked about a lot of the musical shifts when we did the 1997 episode. Mm-hmm. So this is like in the lurch of a huge sea change in the music industry. Yeah, this is uh, Evil Empire, Odelay, The Score by yeah. the Fugees, Title by Fiona, yeah. All Eyes on Me, and Down on the Upside, Sublime, and then A Worm's Life. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts for, for the Mark Lanigan Award. I love it. Bear with me here. The progression from... God shuffled his feet to a worm's life is not too dissimilar to super unknown to down on the upside. What makes the creators of this album a rock star zero fucks. Let's write whatever the fuck we don't want. We're going to write an incredibly hard album for people to listen to because we fucking want to. And if Soundgarden can do it, why can't Crash Test Dummies? Not many people can do what Soundgarden could, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Like, no, write, I, I absolutely write know what you a, mean. A, yeah. a fucking banger album with your biggest hit ever. Yes. Like, Cornell was even on record saying, we could have gone on and written Super Unknown 2 and become the biggest band in the world. That's exactly... we didn't want to. We wanted to do this instead. That's exactly what I was going to say for my Mark Lanigan. They could have come out with God Shuffled His Feet 2, mm-hmm. quadruple platinum. Yep. But they made what they wanted to make. And then mm-hmm. after that, they didn't go back and be like, oh no, we didn't sell enough. We've got to make God Shuffled His No. They mm. went a completely different avenue. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Now this is tricky because is this underrated? I would say it like this. Mm. As a person that, that loves... The crash test dummies and wants nothing more than those people to be successful. I would say this is underrated, but as a selfish fan, it's mine. Mm. <laughs> I get it. So fuck anybody that doesn't. And I kind of like yeah, that, you know, like wink, wink. It, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I, I put in its time way underrated. And currently, big question mark, because I have no idea. Well, it's not. Yeah, I don't think it's much of anything. Crash Systems right. have their fans, and that's sure. probably not going to be a lot added and, and not going to be any taken away. I, I like your take on that, because I feel the same way. There are bands and albums that I'm like, I'm glad that people don't like this because it's mine. That's the music snobs. Well, you're a metalhead. <laughs> that's... Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess it yeah, fucking good point. It comes, <laughs> comes with the territory yeah. here, huh? Yes, uh, <laughs> it does. It's got kind of a baked into that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is an interesting one. Influences, influences. Do you have anything different than you had on the last one? I added Beck 
to this. Oh, I love that. Because I love that. It, their fearlessness to just go off and do experimental shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was already taken and easily used in the last one, but I heard a lot more David Byrne on this one. Mm-hmm. And I also heard a lot more of the Johnny Cash yeah. sort of stuff, yeah. or even some, you know, some like Merle Haggard kind of deep in a simple way sort of thing. Yeah. Never mind the Bullocks Award. We basically covered this in the last one. I, God Shuffled His Feet is their best album. Mm-hmm. I didn't even process what you had kind of made your theme about this with, where this is a complex album that you kind of have to earn. Mm-hmm. And there's always been something with me. I just want this to be my favorite Crash Test Dummies album. And that's, it's probably just the <laughs> egotistical, like, musician asshole in me. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about the Nevermind the Bullocks Award? I don't think this is as good. It is, in some ways, infinitely more interesting, but not as good, for sure. The John Paul Jones Award. I said, don't change anything in the last one. And the reason is, is because I probably would have just said the same exact thing. And that is, you always want more of something until mm. you don't. I've always wanted a little more Ellen Reed. In the crash test dummies. Okay. She got to where she was, you know, like we had Peter Pumpkinhead where she was the lead vocalist. And Mm -hmm. there are other songs they have in their discography of Come and Get You. Overall, in the earlier career, I want a bit more Ellen. Of course, I say that. But at the same time, I don't want to fuck with any of these songs. Right. So, yeah. uh, What about you? My initial answer for this was I had like some unknown guitar slinger out there. Like I said on the previous album, I couldn't really pin it down. Like someone who plays that. Like Roy Rogers, steel guitars. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and now that I think about it, I think I just want more Murray Pulver, who is the guitar player playing that stuff on this album. I think I want more of him across the album. What about Stan Ridgeway? Ooh. Stan Ridgeway was pretty good at the fucking, the twangy, yeah. Stan Ridgeway might be fucking rad on this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, dude, seriously, evil. What song are you giving somebody for this album? My Enemies. It's one of the more accessible songs it is. on the album. It's got like a really cool intro. It's like the, the slippery slope. It'll pull them into this weird fucking album. That yeah. Yes. I said song number one. I said overachievers. Mm. You're either going to be into it or you're not. And here it is. It, it hooked me. It's like, oh, they're, I don't know if they're going to rock out on this. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm interested in the journey. The John Popper Award Evil, what you got? I have the chorus for our driver gestures. Every time I think it's one of the marquee... It is the catchiest thing on the album for me. That's why it's winning this award. Mine is uh, All of This Ugly. 
Mm. The same thing I said about the the God shuffled his feet. He, he changes his vocal tone nation a little bit, and I just love it. It's it's simple, but it's great. The John Prine Best Lyric Award. This is from I'm a Dog, <laughs> where it's basically a song where a dog's wondering what the fuck is up with humans, <laughs> which is just amazing. Um, how come all your poets fall into despondencies? And then write it down for us to read every indignity. Mm. I do have another best lyric award, but I uh, am saving that for because it would uh, spoil my best song on the album. Got it. So, Evil, what about you? I'm going back to my enemies. I try to meditate, control my hate, just like I know I should, but I can't help myself, and I keep it up because it feels so good. Uh, no, that is, that's fantastic. Dude, uh, I um, keep it up because it feels so good. I, <laughs> fuck. God damn it, that should have, I should have picked that for you. Uh, the Eddie Van Halen <laughs> Award. We already talked about it. My Eddie Van Halen Award is just the song Old Scab because the concept of writing about writer's block is this endless philosophy in entirety. And then when you're talking the actual Eddie Van Halen, the music, the ending of Old Scab is this insane fucking music. What the fuck is even... It's beautiful and awesome and fucking hard. What even is it? <sighs> if you could see Evil's expression. <laughs> I, think he, I think he agrees. Yeah, you're in my brain. Old Scab, dark <laughs> guitar solo is what I wrote. Yes. <laughs> that where it like takes a turn and the bass comes in and it's ominous and then the fucking guitar goes off. I, yes. I want that. I want more of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, very, very Peter Gabriel. Oh my God. It totally is. Yep. Oh, it absolutely. It, the, what is yep. the, I think it's just called Gabriel live. He has a very famous live album that I love and there are interludes in it. And this mm, is, mm-hmm. that's yep. a, f- God yep. damn, that's a good call. Uh, Surfer Rosa award. I, I talked about it towards the beginning. I love that a little more accessible. <laughs> And then it turns a little more, uh, uh, what, what do you think? <laughs> I said it has a weird ass second half. It, oh, it does. I really, I like it. <laughs> You're, that's, I like how, how off the rails it gets. That's better put. Uh, it, it has a weird ass second half. Yes. <laughs> Time of your life award evil. What is your least favorite song on this album? I, okay. I second guess this. I don't know why I picked it. I picked it early on and it was swatting flies. It's the closer. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't tell you why it's not as dynamic as some of the other songs. I don't think it's as interesting to me as some of the other songs. It's his second song about having writer's block. And I love the song and I love the delivery of the, the, Science room was an iguana. Very uh, I love that, but that is also mm-hmm. my time of your life award. I'm glad I didn't pick wrong. Brad, you can't write two writer's block songs. <laughs> Come on, man. 
<laughs> but let's get to our favorite category. Our three best yes. songs on the album. Evil, what are your three? Uh, number three, mm-hmm. uh, title track, A Worm's Life. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's fucking so good. The lyrics are, can't even describe it. It's so fucking quirky. It's about a worm. It's, it, it's about a worm. <laughs> it's about a, a tequila worm that gets... <laughs> Eat, like drink. Yep. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the weird directions that the chord progressions go. So that's my number three. Uh, my number two is My Enemies. I, I think it's just a, it's a great track. It's got some great lyrics. It is. Maybe the most accessible. I don't, maybe that could be a bad, I could be wrong. No, I think, I think you're there, probably right. I, I think uh, that or maybe I'm a dog. Which is my number one. I fucking love that song. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that song. <laughs> it's it's the gunfighter ballad. It's got yes. steel guitar. It's a, it's a dog looking at Brush humans. Brush up against a <laughs> cow's leg. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love that line. That song was not even on my top five first couple of listens. And it, it rose to the top. That's my number one. I love that. <laughs> my third is All of This Ugly, which we've talked yeah. about. That's yes. a pretty accessible song. My second one is Our Driver Gestures. I just love, there's just something so good about that. There's yeah. just something so happy about that song. But the thought of just going on a it's, fucking uh, trip. and It's not the most accessible song, but it's the most sing-alongable song for me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, you're right. And then my number one, and it is my favorite Crash Test Dummy song. And we really haven't talked about it complexity in being simple this is the epitome of that the song starts out with two verses about a boy pulling his tooth out in two different ways just i'm gonna tie it to a doorknob and bam and then i'm gonna attach it to my dog's tail and throw a stick and bam and then his dad comes home and his dad sees the different ways that he's doing a very common thing and he gets mad at him because he's not doing it in the traditional way you're supposed to do it. So he just grabs some pliers, he pulls them out. And it goes from this kid being super happy and excited to talk about him getting his tooth pulled out to now he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Mm. That is the most philosophically such a good play on how badly parents can fuck their kids up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm reading through the lyrics now and... It going from that was how he liked to have his teeth pulled out to that wasn't how he liked to have his teeth pulled out. He wouldn't tell us how it felt when it came out. Oh, man. Yeah. At the end, you realize, oh, my God, this is one of the darkest things that I've ever fucking heard. That is my favorite Crash System song. Damn. Go listen to He Liked to Feel It, everybody. It's deep. And they do play it live pretty frequently, and they are touring now. So Great guitar on that track too oh yeah and the bass that he's doing the strum bass and the guitar i love mm-hmm. the drums are very different on that one um evil who won this album i fucking don't know i don't <laughs> know who won this album this is one of the most confusing albums i've ever listened to i love that <laughs> i'm saying and he's the front man so it's supposed to happen but just because brad gets so much of the he's the guy i'm giving the win justifiably to Ellen and Dan Mm, because they are such an understated. They are the epitome of the John Paul Jones. They make this band what it is. 
Yeah. Evil, what do you rate this album? Before we do that, I, I want to just reiterate the musicality of this group. Same bass members for both of these albums. Which is another thing we've talked on the pod being a big deal. Yeah, yeah. When you keep the same bass members... They're fucking phenomenal musicians. Let's not sleep on, on Mitch's drumming. It's also, if it's so perfect for what they do. It absolutely is. And we, you're right. We've really haven't even talked about it, but yeah. that's kind of, yeah, we've, that's when you know it's a good drummer. The guitars are interesting in so many different ways. Backing vocals, amazing. It's just musically, they're so fucking tight. This album for me, first listen, I was like, uh-oh. This might be under a five, but I put in the work and it. I'm giving it seven Point eight out of 10 Peter Pumpkin heads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I give this a nine out of 10 obsessions with inanimate objects. I fucking love this album. Crash test dummies are known for the mm -mm -mm song for all you songwriters, for all you appreciators of songwriting, for all of you Springsteen lovers and all you Cohen lovers and bare naked ladies lovers, you know, mm -hmm. people that love just good fucking writing. If you haven't given these guys a chance, give them a chance. I promise that you won't be disappointed. Write us and tell me what your specific kind of tastes are. And I will aim you toward a specific album. But I promise you that Brad Roberts has written something that you absolutely love. Oh, uh, this was fun. I do wish I had more time with these two albums. Because of doing this, I will check out more of their stuff. They have an album that is cast off songs from this era. Yeah, I saw that. Check that one okay, out. Okay, I will. I'll put that at the top of the list. He was just fucking cranking shit out. It was insane. Yeah. The he I'm talking about, of course, Brad Roberts, mm -hmm. who we all know, especially you Canadians up north, singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, guitar player. Well... Next episode, I'm talking to him. Um, How do you feel about that? Sorry to ruin the, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the mystification of Hollywood, everyone, but this already happened. I'm not going to say anything one way or another uh, to give anything away. I'm just going to say that it was a life-changing experience. Tune in for that next week. Brad Roberts, yes, that Brad Roberts is joining Verse Chorus Verse next week. That's awesome. Evil, this was, I was a little nervous because I knew that you'd like at least aspects, but I did think there was a small chance I'd get crushed on, especially with Unearth coming out. <laughs> I was like, oh God, Well, what's going to happen here? Here's the thing is Unearth, for me, we do everything out of 10, but Unearth goes to 11. So <laughs> we'll get there later so this year. Don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod. Everybody, I hope you enjoy this. Enjoy the interview next week. There are things that he is able to share that are unbelievable. Uh, grab a scotch, Glenn Fittich, Glenn Livett, the whole single malt family. Good night and good luck. Call.